Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was June 28, 1969. Early in the morning, New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. The raid incited a riot, and tensions between the LGBTQ community and police reached a breaking point. The raid and subsequent riots catalyzed the organization of pride marches and marked a major moment of resistance in the U.S. movement for LGBTQ rights. Anti-LGBTQ policies and views were prevalent at the time. Homosexuality was still deemed a psychiatric disorder by the American Psychiatric Association, and LGBTQ people faced institutional and interpersonal discrimination. They were at risk of being locked up in psychiatric institutions or jail, being fired from their jobs, or losing custody over their children because of their sexuality or identity. In New York, in the years leading up to the Stonewall riots, the state liquor authority banned gay people from being served alcoholic drinks in bars, and it would close bars that violated this rule. This rule was overturned in 1966, and the SLA stopped closing licensed bars that served LGBTQ folks. Though LGBTQ activists had been working for decades to advance LGBTQ rights and demand better treatment, Soliciting homosexual acts and publicly expressing homosexuality was still illegal in New York. They could be arrested for displays of affection, for dancing with each other, and for wearing clothes that were not, quote, gender appropriate. LGBTQ people sought out gay bars, one of the few places that accepted them where they could express themselves without judgment or persecution. But police continued to harass patrons at gay bars, many of which operated without liquor licenses, since they were ran by the Mafia. The Stonewall Inn was one of those unlicensed bars. So police raids on gay bars were still common in New York City. Stonewall had seen its fair share of raids, but staff were usually given a heads up and warned customers so nobody would get arrested. In the days leading up to the Stonewall riots, police raided many bars, including the Stonewall, on the Tuesday before the events took place. But on June 28th at 1.20 a.m., police entered the Stonewall Inn and announced that they were conducting a raid. Employees had not been alerted that there would be a raid that night. It's been suggested that the bar owners failed to pay off the police, who took money for not arresting them for serving drinks without a license and not telling media about the bar's notable patrons. But as usual, the police lined people up, checked their IDs, assaulted some of the patrons, and checked people who they suspected of cross-dressing, which was an offense. The police ended up arresting several patrons and employees. As people in the area began to notice the commotion, they gathered outside the bar along with patrons who had been sent out of the bar. As a police van arrived at the scene and arrested patrons were sent to the police station, the growing crowd became more rowdy and threw bottles, coins, and other objects at the police. 
Transgender rights activist Marsha P. Johnson has been cited as one of the key figures in the uprising, along with Sylvia Rivera. Police barricaded themselves inside the bar, but people threw trash cans, rocks, and bricks at the building, and they even set it on fire. A few hours after the rioting started, the area was quiet, though a lot of the Stonewall Inn had been destroyed and people had been injured. But rioting began again the next night, and protests continued for a few more days. The Village Voice published reports on the riots. Historians assert that the riots were spontaneous, but were a culmination of social turbulence related to anti-LGBTQ sentiment, the civil rights movement, the Vietnam War, and other conflicts occurring at the time, as well as the climate of sexual openness in the 60s. Raids continued after the riots. Though the riots at Stonewall were not the beginning of LGBTQ activism, they are viewed as a watershed moment in the history of the movement that activated interest in LGBTQ rights organizations, the gay liberation movement, and LGBTQ inclusion and advocacy. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at TDIHC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you have not listened to a new show I host called Unpopular, you can get it anywhere you listen to this day in history class. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey y'all, it's Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a podcast for people who can never know enough about history. The day was June 28, 1951. The television show Amos and Andy premiered on CBS TV. Adapted from one of the most popular syndicated radio programs at the time, the television version had a successful run, but the show was also mired in controversy and ultimately canceled because of protests surrounding the way it portrayed Black people. Amos and Andy was created by Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell, initially as a radio show in Chicago, Illinois in the 1920s. At first, an executive for the radio station WGN approached Gosden and Carell about adapting a popular comic strip from the Chicago Tribune. Instead, they pitched an idea for a show about, quote, a couple of colored characters, specifically because they wanted to voice characters in a stereotypical Black dialect. Minstrel shows typically featured white actors in Blackface performing as caricatures of Black people. Though waning in popularity, they were still a form of entertainment at the time. WGN greenlit their show. Its initial iteration was entitled Sam and Henry and aired on Chicago radio beginning in January of 1926. The show was so successful that Gosden and Carell wanted to expand it. They proposed that the show would be recorded on phonographs and distributed to different radio stations around the country, which would have been the first ever form of radio syndication. But their proposal was shot down. The two creators quit the network, but WGN retained the contractual rights to Sam and Henry. They were picked up by the Chicago station WMAQ, who wanted them to create something similar. So they came up with Amos and Andy. They later said that they decided on the names after hearing two black men greet each other in an elevator. Amos and Andy premiered on Chicago radio in March of 1928. The show followed the titular characters, two Black men from Atlanta who moved to Chicago during the Great Migration. 
Gostin and Carell voiced the characters, as well as more than 170 other male characters over the course of the show. The show was super popular, and it did become the first radio program to be syndicated across the U.S. It was drawing in 40 million listeners by 1931. But protests about the show's portrayal of Black Americans had already begun. The first prominent protest was mounted by the Pittsburgh Courier, a Black newspaper, in 1931. It started a petition to have the show taken off the air. One April 1931 article in the paper said the following, The men portraying the characters are white. The company employing Amos and Andy is white. The people reaping the financial gain from the characterizations are all white. But the people who are getting the black eye out of it all are the Negroes of this country and of every other country where Negroes are found. The Amos and Andy Show, starring Alvin Childress, Spencer Williams, and Tim Moore, premiered on CBS TV on June 25, 1951. The television adaptation took place in Harlem. It was the first American television show with Black actors featured in leading roles. The show was sponsored by Blatt's Brewing Company, and it ran for 52 episodes between 1951 and 1953. Soon after the show premiered, the NAACP formally protested it as a, quote, gross libel of the Negro and distortion of the truth. Campaigns to ban the Amos and Andy show targeted both CBS and Blatt's, and Blatt's stopped sponsoring it in 1953. The show was canceled, but 26 more episodes were grouped in with syndicated reruns. CBS continued to air reruns of the show until 1966, but ultimately stopped after conceding to pressures from the NAACP and other protests in light of the civil rights movement. Rejoice TV broadcast a show for nationwide audiences again for several years starting in 2012, but the show is not currently being aired across the U.S. On one hand, many people found the stereotypes in the show harmful, regardless of the representation of Black people in different roles. Despite the controversy, some people credit the show as paving the way for Black Americans on television and making white audiences more sympathetic towards Black people. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them to us via email. We're at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also hit us up or follow us on social media. We're at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.